Well, good morning, church. It is my pleasure and my joy to be with you this morning. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Roy Phillips, and my wife Amy back there, who you see up here more than you've ever seen me up here. Um, and uh, I've been given the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. And so I should know by now that if I hear from Daniel Marr on Sunday morning or Saturday night, he's going to ask me to preach, so I should start getting ready for that conversation if I hear from him. But um, I got asked to, to share with the word with you this morning, and as I was going to bed last night, the first thing, that, the, the thought that kept running through my mind is, have you prepared enough? Are you ready? It's been, you know, you only had a couple of hours to put this together, but then God put some scripture on my heart, and I just want to share that with you this morning, what he shared with me uh, and so Isaiah 55, 10, and 11, uh, this isn't going to be up here on the screen. This is fresh written down this morning, but Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving up seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty, return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so, as much as I may or may not have prepared, uh, this is God's word that I'm going to share with you this morning. It is sharper and alive than any double-edged sword, and so I am confident in what he has for you this morning. Amen? And so, the second verse that God put on my heart last night was 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2 that says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the, to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So this morning, my charge is to preach the word of God. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So uh, thank you guys for being patient and bearing with me this morning. And so what we're going to talk about today is the, the necessity of us to have a Savior, amen? And so we all, in order to, for us to understand that we are in need of a Savior, we have to first understand that we are sinners, right? That we are all sinners. And without a Savior, then we're just going to live forever dead in our sins. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that great need that we have for a Savior, because if we'd ever put two and two together, if we just know Jesus as God's son and Jesus as a great teacher and Jesus that died on the cross for our sins, but we never recognize within ourselves that we are indeed sinners, sinful people, then we're not going to need a savior until we realize that we're sinners. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 where Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's pretty clear in that passage of scripture that we fall under that word of all, right? We have all sinned and fall short. So if we believe God's word, we have to believe that we are all sinners. And if we can agree on that, then we also can agree that if we stay in our sin, then we are going to be remain dead in our sins. We don't be, have life until we uh, repent of that sin and come to faith in Christ. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn a couple more pages over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so Paul starts that passage saying, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So while we are still in our sinly nature, without a Savior in Christ Jesus, we're just dead, right? Our sins are going to lead us to death. There's no other alternative without being rescued from that sin, without Jesus being our Savior, we're going to remain dead in our sins. And to further validate that point in Scripture, we look again in Romans, this time in chapter 6, verse 23, Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death. What we should receive just like our wages that we should receive at the end of our pay period, what we should receive because of our sinfulness is death. That's what we deserve. That's what we've earned. We deserve death. And so if we stay at our sins, we're leading a path to death. And so, you know, we may think about sin in that way. We say, well, not all sins are terrible. You know, if I say something here or there, a little white lie, or if I, you know, take a pen or something, but sin is sin, right? We all can all agree that we sin is sin and so if we stay in our sin that sin is just going to lead us to death uh, eventually our sin is going to drag us down and start killing us because sin leads to death and it may kill off our relationships if we continue in sin it may kill off uh, our finances depending on what our sin is maybe you got one of those expensive sins that's going to destroy your, your finances it may destroy your marriage uh, it could destroy your job, and some sin can even destroy your body if you're, you know, doing things that are harmful for your body. So sin has no other consequence but death. It leads to death, and that is what we have to wrap our minds around as sinful people, that if without a Savior, without Christ being our rescuer, we're just leading a path that leads to death, not just physical death on this earth, but eternal spiritual death. And so that's what we're going to look at today is that we've seen already through those passages of Scripture that sin equals death. And so you're probably thinking, right, this is not the most joyful sermon I've ever heard so far. You're just up here telling me I'm a sinner going, leading to, to death. But that's where we have to start to recognize our need for something greater, something bigger than ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can save, our, save us. In fact, that's the only reason God sent his son was to save sinners. And that's why he came to save us. And so if we look back at Romans 6.23 again, we know that for the wages of sin is death, but there's a but in that sentence, right? Here comes the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we've recognized our sin we recognize that we're leading to death. We recognize that we have separation from God because of this sin. But Paul's telling us, but there's a good news. There's something better. And that is that God sent his only son to be the free gift of eternal life, to be that savior, to be that rescuer for us. And so, you know, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I've, I already know this. You're not telling me anything I don't know. 
But maybe there's somebody you've got in, in your mind right now who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't yet found out that they're a sinner. You know, you try to talk to them, you try to share the gospel with them, they're like, oh, I'm good. You know, I don't need that stuff in my life. But they haven't quite understood yet, recognized yet that their sin is leading them to death. We'll never, ever need a Savior until we realize that we're a sinner. And so that's the point that I want to make this morning and share with you. So as you're praying for that person, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's just, uh, you know, somebody angry at Fred Meyer. You don't know who it is, but whoever it is that you're praying for, for their salvation, be praying that they first recognize that they're a sinner. Because if you're praying for them to just come to Christ, that's a great, wonderful thing. That's the result, the end product that we want to see is them come to Christ, but they'll never come to know Jesus and trust him as Lord and Savior until they recognize that they're a sinner. And so we have to be praying for people to first understand and recognize that without Christ, I'm dead. I'm a dead man walking because that's the end result is I'm going to be dead, not just on this earth, but forever separated from God without my Savior. And so I think we sometimes hear that word Savior, and we just kind of put two and two together. Yeah, Jesus is Savior, Savior, Savior. But what does a Savior do? Somebody rescues you when you're a Savior. So if you wanted to, you know, I'm, I teach the youth, so sometimes I have to put things in, in illustrations for me to understand, first of all, because I'm from Oklahoma and we're a little slow. But uh, to teach young people, sometimes i got to make it a little more explainable. So if you're, in the, you're out on the sea and you're in a fishing vessel and that's storm comes in and that boat gets rocked and, and, and people are capsized, the boat starts to sink, What's, what happens? What are you going to need? You need a rescuer, right? You need the Coast Guard to come in with all their, their fleet of helicopters and ships and you need that helicopter to come in and lower that rope because you're tossed in the waves and you're going to go down and your last resort, your last hope is that rope, that rescue rope to come and take you up and put you in that little basket and take you up in the helicopter. So if you can visualize that, visualize that, that water around you as that ship is sinking and those storm is coming in, that's our sin that's around us. That's our sinful, broken world that we live in and we are being tossed around and we need a rescuer, right? We need Jesus as our Savior to come and drop that rope, have that little bucket that we can get in and be lifted up and be saved from this sin of this world. And so that's what we need to recognize as people who were out charged by Jesus to go out and make disciples to share the good news. Is we share the good news, but we also pray for those to understand their deep need of a Savior. We have to help them to understand that sin leads to death because they'll never understand the good news of a Savior until they realize the, how much of a sinner they are. And so... Um, I understand this now, but there was a time in my life when I didn't understand that. I grew up in church. I got taken to church every, you know, every Sunday since I was a little kid. I, um, you know, I heard all the stories. I could tell you, you know, all about Noah, and, and I could tell you about the ark, and I could tell you about Cain and Abel, but I didn't know Jesus. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't know him. But I heard the stories, you know, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, and I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted that love, but I didn't understand what 
Jesus, who he was as a Savior. So I went up when I was five years old, and I, I prayed to receive Christ because I wanted to be loved like Jesus loved me. I didn't understand the other side of it, that he was my salvation. But I did that like three weeks in a row. I kept coming up to the front. And by like the third week, they finally would just kind of turn me around and say, okay, you're, you're good. You've, you've already accepted Christ already. And so, you know, you have that, that heart, like Jesus talks about in the Bible, that, that heart of a child to just want to know and want to know more. But I didn't understand the consequences of sin yet. And so as I grew up, you know, as, as, as some of us do, you know, when we get into our teenage years and our young adult years, you know, I rebelled against God. You know, I went wayward. I did my own thing uh, because I hadn't ever, I never truly surrendered anything. I didn't surrender my life to Christ because for my sins, for him to be my savior. I just wanted the love of Christ when I was a little kid. And so I was in complete rebellion. You know, I was a sinner who didn't understand how badly I needed a savior. And so I'm, you know, I did all the things you were supposed to do. I'm drinking and smoking and cursing and doing everything rebellious. Um, married my wife 22 years ago. We just celebrated our anniversary yesterday. And um, as we're a young married couple, we're still in rebellion. We're not going to church. We're not walking with Jesus. In fact, I called myself a Christian. If anyone asked me, are you a Christian? I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I did the prayer thing. I'm good. But I was out of relationship with Christ. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I hadn't yet confessed my sins and asked for a holy, righteous Savior to save me from my dead sins that, that was leading me to a path of death. And so it wasn't until much later that I actually understood and, and, and God drew us back to him. And um, there was one particular instance um, that I remember well. Um, I was in the Army in 2003, was deployed to Kuwait, and then the Iraq War started in 2003. And so our unit was one of the first divisions into Iraq as the war started. And, you know, it was pretty, pretty fuzzy stuff sometimes, a lot, of, a lot of things going on. And I was multiple instances where looking back, like, I could have got killed this day, I could have died that day, but they were so quick things that happened that there was no time to do anything other than react, right? With the, when you're getting shot at, all you do is react, or when there's a, a vehicle flips over, all you can do is react. There's no time to actually, like, stop and contemplate life and, and pray for, for healing and for God to forgive you, but there was one time where we did have ample opportunity to just sit there and wait for death, and so we were in Iraq, and we were given this order that there was an inbound chemical missile attack, and it was on its way, and you better get your protective gear on, put your suit on, put your mask on, and then just wait, basically. Just wait to die or, or wait to see if your suit works. Um, and, you know, in the government, things are sold to the cheapest bidder, so I didn't have a lot of confidence in my equipment. But and so I'm laying there, on top of my truck with this chemical suit on and this gas mask and waiting for this gas attack to happen. And all I can do is cry out to God for the first time in, goodness, over 20 years, close to 20 years. And the only thing that I cried out to God was, Lord, if you just get me through this, get me through this today so that I can go home 
to my family, so I can go home to my wife and kids. God, just help me survive this. And so it was what I was asking for without even realizing it was I was asking to be rescued, and I was asking to be saved from that imminent threat. And God delivered me. Nothing happened. Five minutes later, we got the radio came through. All clear, all clear. No missiles coming, no gas attacks happening. Take your stuff off. It was false alarm. And so, you know, considering what could have happened and what didn't happen. Now, I'm not saying that God spared all of us because of one man's prayer, but I'm alive here today because I cried out to God. So I'm just saying that. But so I get out, I get home from Iraq, go get out of the army a couple months later go home with my wife and kids, but nothing really changed. You know, I, I called out to God. He had spared my life, and I told God, if you just get me through this, you know, I'll go back to church, you know, that whole thing. I'll, I'll start following you, start serving you. But then, on the flip side, he lived up to his side, but then I really didn't. I went home. We moved to Texas and got a job like normal people, and it wasn't until about three years later that, or two years later, that God really started drawing us back to him. And, um, because Amy and I both grew up in church, but like I said, we had not been following Christ. And, and so it took a couple years of working on us and, and convicting us of our sin and of our deadness. And we finally, as a family and as a married couple, got back into relationship with Christ. And in, in 2009, on April Fool's Day, uh, I was finally baptized. And it was a, a great praise to to come from where I had been as a little kid just wanting to know Jesus because Jesus loves me to, you know, 25, 26 years later being baptized because I knew I had finally sunk in that I was a wretched person, that I was a sinful man, that I was in total need of a Savior. And to be put in that water, buried with Christ in baptism and then raised to walk in a brand new life, God gave me that hope that I couldn't find anywhere else. And that hope is the only thing that we have on this earth to look forward to, is our hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we've been following the Lord ever since, but, you know, does that make me perfect? Absolutely not. None of us are perfect. Do I still stumble? Yes, absolutely. The only one who's perfect is Jesus Christ, and God sent him, his only perfect son, to be that payment for our sin. Just like death is the payment for our sins, it's the wages. Well, Jesus is the payment and the wages to pay for that sin debt and to totally restore us back into fellowship with God. And so Jesus is the only way, and that's the only way we have hope. So John 3.16, everybody's heard John 3.16, right? But we're going to read it again this morning. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so there's no other way for us to rectify that sin problem that we have in our lives that is pulling us and drawing us to death outside of Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Otherwise, according to John 6, 3.16, if we don't believe in him, then we are going to perish. But whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. So there's that hope. That's the answer. That's the response to our sin problem. That's the response to 
God being an, uh, a God full of grace and God full of love to send his only son to help save a wretched man like me. And that's what he did out of his great love. And so John 3, 17, one verse later says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so there's that word again, that saving grace, that that rescuing that God does by coming, sending his son to, to die on a cross, to pay that ultimate blood sacrifice, that, that blood atonement, that sin, or that, that, that rescuing that takes us out of our sin and saves us. And so we are again, I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it again, we are sinners in need of a savior. And John 3, 17 says that Jesus is the only one who saves, that the world might be saved through him. And so we got 3.18 up on the board already, so that's where we're going to look at next. John 3.18, so we all know 3.16, that was 3.17, and now John 3.18 says that whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so once we've believed in him, surrendered our life to Christ, allowed him to do that work in our lives to change us from the inside out, he removes that sin from us, we no longer are under that death, that condemnation, that separation. We are, are, are his children now. We can walk in that grace, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. That just goes back into what Paul was saying, that we are dead in our sins, that we're dead, that we're condemned, that we're already on a one-way destination that is eternal separation from God without Jesus. And so that's what John is writing here as well. He's just phrasing it differently, that if you believe in him, in Jesus, no condemnation. But whoever does not believe is already condemned. They're already living in that death. They're already separated eternally from God. But all they have to do is believe in the name of Jesus, the only Son of God, John says. And so John is basically saying if you believed in Jesus, trusted in him, you've been saved from the judgment. If you do not believe in Jesus, you've already been condemned and found dead in your sin. Jesus not only saves Right? That's what we've been talking about over and over. Jesus not only saves us, rescues us, but he also gives us life. So if we're condemned, eternal separation from God, dead in our sins, what's the opposite of dead? Alive. And so if we have Jesus and he has paid for us our sin, he has totally restored us, he's given us new life. Right? Just like when you're baptized and you're raised, you're buried with Christ in baptism, and you're raised to walk in a brand new life. We're no longer looking to death forever and ever, but we're looking to life forever because of what Jesus has done. He's taken us from death to life. We have new life in Jesus Christ. He gives us brand new life. And so just like John 3.16 said, and even in Romans 6.23 that we read, you know, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you're not a scholar, eternal means forever, because I'm not a scholar. Eternal means forever. So we have life through Christ Jesus, rescued us from the dead. Now we have eternal life forever and ever to be with Christ and to not have to live in that, that 
hopelessness and that, that desperation of our sin, but yet we have hope in Christ. And so today, maybe that's, you know, as, as you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, you know what, I've, I've been saved my whole life. Well, like I said, maybe this isn't so much to convict you of your sin because you've already been there, done that, but maybe it's to, just to have you kind of have a better understanding of what I need to do when I talk to someone to share the good news of Christ. Yes, I can share what God has done, that Jesus did this, Jesus paid for your sin. That's great and good, but if that person doesn't recognize that they themselves are a sinner and doesn't first recognize that they are eternally separated from God, that they are already condemned, as John said, <clears throat> then they're not going to need a Savior. You're not going to need a Savior until you realize you're a sinner. And so that's our job as those who know Jesus and who have been charged to go forth and make disciples and share the good news is that we have to help people to understand the depth of their lostness, the depth of their depravity, the depth of their separation from God. And we have to understand that we need to share with them that there is hope. There is a rescuer. Once you realize that you're a sinner, guess what? That's bad news. But now there's even better news. Now that you realize you're a sinner, there's a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And that's what we need to share with those who maybe don't know Christ. And so there is hope that can be found in Christ Jesus. Hope that doesn't lead to death. There's a hope in a Savior. Hope that I don't have to stay stuck in my sin forever and ever. Hope that I can have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Hope that I don't have to walk this world alone anymore. There's hope that, that, that I don't have to feel discouraged anymore. There's, there, there's hope for whatever it is that we're lacking in this world. The hope can be found in Christ Jesus and he can fill those those holes in our lives, that, that longing that we're aching for isn't for something that can be filled on this earth, but that longing that we're aching for can only be filled by knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so this morning, I just wanted to share that with you, and, and, and uh, you know, hopefully this is a word that, like I said, maybe it doesn't apply to you, but it can apply to someone that you know, and it can apply to someone that God will put in your path to share the good news with. And so um, to wrap that up, I just wanted to say thank you guys for, for not only allowing me the privilege and opportunity to preach this morning, but um, to, to just share a little bit of, about ourselves. Amy and I and, our, and all of our kids, we moved up here in last August, so we've been here a little over a year now. And um, we were in a season of, of praying while we were still in Texas, trying to figure out what was the next step that God wanted for us. We had, you know, this is the, the third youth group that I've had the, the privilege to, to lead in the pastor. But when we moved up to Alaska, it was not to come up here to be a youth pastor. We were, we were called to come to do ministry in Alaska. We had no idea what that looked like. We were just stepping out in faith and obedience because God had called us here. And once we got here, we didn't know where we were going. We just knew that this is where we ended up. And we started attending College Heights. You guys didn't need a youth pastor when we got here. We had one. We just found a good place to, to plug in and to serve, and we started serving over at Set Free for the last um, nine months or so, and then God just gave an opportunity to start teaching the youth this summer, and it just, 
you know, like I said, I didn't know that that's where he was preparing it for us to do, but man, he is faithful, and um, he gave us a place to, to love on these kids, and uh, when, when I was first substituting on Sunday school and helping out with, with, uh, with the kids on Sunday morning, I was talking with Daniel again, and he said, you know, maybe this is just a good opportunity to get to know these kids on Sunday mornings, and maybe you, maybe you don't even like them. You know, maybe we'll get in there and you'll just find out, I don't even like these kids. Uh, but, but quite the opposite has happened. Uh, you guys have some amazing youth in this church, and it is a privilege to, to share with them and to work with them. And uh, I'm just excited about what God's doing in our church, but also in the youth ministry. And so uh, we're just super excited to be here. And uh, I'm going to close this in prayer as the phrase team comes back up. And uh, thank you again this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. God, we are grateful that out of our sin nature and, and uh, the depths of our sin that you provided a way out, God, that you sent your son to be our savior, to be our rescue, uh, and to give us that hope that we can't find anywhere else in this world, that true hope only comes through Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you this morning. God, we pray for those of us or those that we know who don't yet know you. Uh, as Lord and Savior, but God, we pray this morning, we pray for them continually that they will understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And so, Father, as we pray this morning, we just pray that you'll speak to their hearts and their minds this morning, and uh, we just give you all of our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.